Welcome to the Deal Reporter podcast. Hello, I'm Juliana Needham. Today I'm joined by Deal Reporter's Deputy Global Editor Lucinda Guthrie and by reporter William Mace. Lucinda, starting with you, Tokyo Electron and Applied Materials is one of the biggest deals in the market. What are the remaining hurdles? Well, there are a number of antitrust approvals that are remaining at the moment. Um, Interestingly, last week, they just pushed out the effective date to March to take that into account. So we're waiting for China's Ministry of Commerce, the US Department of Justice, also Korea Fair Trade Commission and the Taiwan FTC. The ones to really watch out for, though, are obviously China and the US. Uh, And what are the key concerns in China? Well, China has made several attempts to ramp up its its semiconductor industry. Um, A a lot of analyst reports you see are about, say that China's about 20 years behind the rest of the world um, on this front. Um, And in June, they actually announced plans to remedy this and boost the industry. So what our understanding is um, from our Shanghai bureau is that Mofcom has concerns on the R&D industry. Um, Long term, the, the, the aim may be to consolidate smaller players and actually boost the R&D industry themselves. And how has Mofcom looked at similar deals before? Well, in a similar deal at Western Digital Hitachi, um, what Mofcom actually did, it, it was again, it was an R&D concern there. They actually requested them to keep the R&D centres separate, um, to actually hold those set businesses separate as a condition to the merger. Interestingly, just this week, I think it was, um, Mofcom actually slapped a fine on those two parties um, for uh, kind of failing to, to adequately comply on that front. So it's quite interesting now with this particular case to see whether that kind of remedy would be able to uh, be applied in this case or, or whether that, that precedent case may, may have a, a kind of cast a shadow on Tokyo Electron also. And this is a tax inversion deal. What, what's your view on the, of the impact of the tax inversion rule changes? My personal view is that the tax inversion rule changes weren't necessarily targeted at this specific deal. Um, obviously, we saw Shire break down on the back of it. And some of the intricacies of those changes looked more like they were um, targeted at other deals that had already failed on other, other counts. For example, like Publicis um, is a name that's often mentioned by lawyers to me. So on this specific deal, as the rules that stood um, on in October, um, it didn't seem to be a huge concern for this particular deal. The company seemed to be um, very focused on moving forward. Okay, thank you. Now, Will, on to you. You've been looking at Deutsche Annington and Gagfa. What are the drivers behind the growth of the German property market and, and for Deutsche Annington's approach for Gagfa? Well, there seems to be a catch-up effect in uh, the German residential housing market at the moment. Um, there's East German cities seem to be growing f- at a faster rate than those in the West. Uh, growth is certainly picking up in places like Dresden uh, and East Berlin. Uh, Gagfa has a, a large portfolio in, in those markets, and uh, Deutsche Annington is hoping to combine with Gagfa to um, make the most of that. Um, another, I guess, um, pair comparable deal in the market was Deutsche Wohnen taking over GSW uh, a year ago now. Um, and also Deutsche Annington has bought Vitus um, recently for over a billion euros. So there's a bit of uh, consolidation going on in the market. Uh, there could be some competitive pressure to get a deal done in that current climate um, as the big players you know, look to increase their portfolios. 
but uh, we've heard that Deutsche Wohnen in itself, probably the main competitor, uh, is possibly not looking to uh, put in a bid on GAGFA. And are you expecting to see any antitrust concerns in Europe or in, in Germany itself? Well, despite the small number of uh, potential buyers, as I've just mentioned, um, we don't expect there to be many issues. Um, both companies are doing all their business in Germany, so it won't, it won't worry the EC. Um, and publicly listed companies within Germany represent about 3% of the German residential rental housing market, um, compared, obviously, to private individuals and other companies, which are the majority. Um, we've heard that the German regulator will likely look at localised overlaps on a regional basis, city basis, but even maybe a street-by-street street basis. Um, but having said that, Deutsche Wohnen's purchase of GSW last year went through in about 10 days on a phase one investigation um, from the regulator. So um, in the wider context, there shouldn't be any concern uh, over the concentrations we see here. And how is Deutsche Annington financing the purchase? Uh, well, they've secured bridge financing from JP Morgan, um, but the amount of that financing could be anywhere from 900 million euro to 2 billion, um, depending on the uptake of their offer. Uh, which uh, they've set between 50 to 95 percent um, acceptance. Uh, that will need to be refinanced. Um, so Deutsche Annington this week has launched a book build for a billion euro hybrid bond um, for which Standard & Poor's offered a 50 percent equity treatment. Um, Standard & Poor's has put Deutsche Annington on, on credit watch for a positive upgrade to B triple B plus. Um, and they've said that if there are, if this financing goes through as it's planned to, um, that rating will be achieved. Okay. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Lucinda. And thank you for listening. 